Welcome to today's podcast, Casting Down Idols. This is the podcast where we talk about addictions and recovery from a biblical point of view. I'm your host, Pastor Mike Dixon, and I'm addressing the problem of addictions from my own personal experience, but most importantly, from a biblical perspective. Whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, shopping, gambling, or overeating, or whatever struggle you may be facing, I want you to know there's hope for change. It's my prayer that through this podcast, you'll pick up some tools and encouragement that will enable you to live addiction-free. I've been clean and sober now for 31 years, and you can too. Whatever it is that binds you doesn't have to bind you any longer. So let's learn, grow, let's encourage one another on this road called recovery. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number four, the title of which is Two Hinges on the Door to Change. Two Hinges on the Door to Change. I want to take a minute and want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this episode as well as the previous three. Thank you for subscribing, for commenting on your reviews on iTunes. Thank you for sharing on social media. And thank you for your prayers in this endeavor as we reach out to try to help people that are struggling. I want to remind you about a wonderful ministry we've got here in Rocky Mount through Oakdale Baptist Church. It's called Life, L-I-F-E. Stands for Living in Freedom Every Day. It's an addiction recovery ministry. We meet every Tuesday night beginning at 6.30 at Oakdale Baptist Church, which is located near the fairgrounds, which is located at 13037 U.S. 64 Alternate West Highway in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. The telephone number is 252-442-6587. That's the number for Oakdale Baptist Church. The Life Ministry is open to men and women free of charge. We always begin at 6.30 every Tuesday night. We always begin with a meal together, and we just have a great time of study and renewing our minds, finding out what God has to say about our struggles and the hope that he offers. So I encourage you, if you're anywhere close by, to come check us out and be a part of the Life Ministry on Tuesday nights. Also, if you're interested in finding out more about my story, I published a book in 2015 entitled Casting Down Idols Through the Power of the Gospel. It's available through West Bow Press, also on Amazon, and a variety of other online bookstores. Casting Down Idols Through the Power of the Gospel. Well, let's get started today. I trust you've had a good week. Pray you're doing well today. We've already laid the groundwork in the very first episode, What is an Addiction According to the Bible? It's idolatry. And then in the second episode, I shared my testimony, a little bit of my story and how God's delivered me and transformed my life. And then last time we talked about first things first, and that is we've got to admit that we've got a problem. Then we've got to begin to understand that we don't have the means whereby we can meet the need, the struggle going on in our life, and that ought to motivate us to look to a higher power, God Almighty, who is indeed the highest power. Well, today as we continue in this episode number four, we're going to begin a two-part message on two hinges on the door to change. At the end of this podcast today, I'm going to give you an assignment. And so I want you to stay tuned. I believe this very practical assignment can help you in overcoming whatever struggle you have, whatever kind of addiction that you have. Two hinges. Two hinges on the door to change. 
I'll go ahead and tell you what both of them are, forgiveness and repentance. Forgiveness and repentance. Now, today we're going to talk about forgiveness. Next Tuesday, and my goal is each Tuesday to release a new episode in this podcast, Next Tuesday will be part two of this study together, and we'll talk about repentance next week. But today we're going to get started on this very important subject of forgiveness. Now, some people don't believe they need to ask or seek forgiveness or even deal with the issue of forgiveness when it comes to addiction. I've heard some say, well, addiction is not a choice that I'm making. And I know that once you're addicted, it's out of your control. But initially, in the beginning steps, you had a choice. What you decide and the choices that you make, for the most part, are going to determine your life. Even though the addiction right now is controlling you, in the beginning steps, there were decisions you made to begin to immerse yourself in whatever the addictive behavior is in your situation, and now it has ended up controlling you. I mentioned in a previous podcast how addiction is like a monster, and the more you feed the monster, the bigger the monster gets, and the larger the appetite of the monster grows to the point where the monster of addiction is never satisfied, always requires more, 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 until it destroys you. I want to encourage you today, right now, right where you are, to make a decision. You're going to break out of this addiction. I share a story in my book, Casting Down Idols Through the Power of the Gospel, of an older gentleman who loved sports all his life. I mean, he loved to attend ball games and cheer his favorite teams on to victory. In high school and college, he actually played on the football team. This man was involved in a terrible farming accident one day in which he lost his right arm at the elbow. As you can imagine, depression and despondency began to settle into his heart. He felt as though life would never be enjoyable again. He began to be so discouraged and so depressed that he even stopped going to ball games. He was devastated. One day, a friend convinced him to go out and play some handball with him for exercise. This man with one arm discovered that he was pretty good at this sport. He began playing handball on a regular basis, and before long, he became very competitive at playing. He even began to play in tournaments and started winning many of those, even over men who were much younger than he was. People were amazed at how well this one-armed man could play handball. People were fascinated by his story and his determination. Well, the newspaper came out to interview this man, and the reporter asked him, How do you do it? The man responded, Decisions. The reporter, of course, not satisfied with that simple response, So he asked him, what do you mean by decisions? He answered, well, it's simple. When the ball comes at my opponent, he has to immediately decide if he's going to hit that ball with his right hand or his left hand. When the ball's swirling towards me, I've already decided. (laughs) That's what we must do, my friend. Decide right now that we're going to overcome and we're going to walk in victory. Make the decision right now. You go ahead and decide that you're going to begin to believe right. Make a choice to think right concerning your addiction and this issue of forgiveness. You know, the enemy doesn't want you to believe the truth, doesn't want you to face the truth concerning your sin and concerning the issue of the importance of forgiveness, the fact that you've been forgiven and that you need to grant forgiveness. You know, truth is of utmost importance. 
Jesus said, it's recorded in John chapter 8, verse 32, that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's right. Now, since the truth sets us free, a lie is going to put us in bondage. In fact, our Lord goes on in John chapter 8, verses 43 and 44, and he talks about our enemy, the devil, and that he's a murderer from the beginning. He doesn't stand in truth, and there's no truth in him. I want you to think about this as we get started today. Whatever you believe to be true, whether it's really true or not, is going to affect your life. You see, our actions don't just come out of thin air. They don't just come out of nowhere. Our actions come from the things that we believe to be true in our hearts. That's the root of it, our belief system. The way that we think is directly connected to our hearts, our belief system. And then as a result comes our behavior and the way that we speak and the way that we act and the way that we live. And so it's not enough just to say, well, you stop that. Stop that behavior. Stop drinking alcohol. Stop abusing drugs. Stop going to the casinos and gambling. Stop uh, going on spending sprees with your credit card. Stop overeating. There's much, much more to it than just stopping the behavior. You see, if we were to take a thief and to lock that thief up for, say, five years, as long as that thief is incarcerated, that thief is not able to go out and about in the public anyway and steal anything. And so maybe we've stopped his behavior, but unless his heart changes and the way that he thinks about things change, once he's released, he's going to go right back out and he's going to begin to steal again because he's believing in his heart. The best way for me to get what I want is to take it, even though it doesn't belong to me. So if change is going to come about in your life, you've got to begin to think right. So I want to encourage you today. Stop thinking thoughts like, this is impossible, this is hopeless. Stop telling yourself things will never change. Those are all faulty messages, not from God our Creator, but from the enemy, who again is a murderer and a liar. You know, in the Bible, when Jesus Christ walked on this earth, God in human flesh, he went about and he called a band of disciples. We call them apostles. And many of those apostles were fishermen. In fact, I remember on occasion the Lord would call those men and he would say, I want you to leave your boats, leave your occupation. I want you to step out and follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. And so God, even today through his church, is reaching out to men and women to draw them into saving faith. Well, the enemy is also a fisher of men and women. In fact, he's got a hook in the world too. Well, you know, if you're going to go fishing, you don't just throw a bare hook in the water. You've got to have that hook baited with something. Or when the fish comes by, he's not going to want to take the hook. I think about the enemy today who is in the world and, and he is fishing for men and women. He's got a hook in the world, so to speak. And he's got his hook baited. But you know what the enemy's got the hook baited with? A lie. That's what he baits his hook with. He tells you a lie. And if you begin to believe that lie as truth, he can hook you and he can reel you in. So we've got to be on guard against the enemy. We've got to be on guard against lies that are in the world and that would end up holding us captive because we want to live in freedom and we know the truth will set us free. So instead of telling yourself things like this is impossible, this is hopeless, things will never change, there's no hope for me, I want you to begin to believe what God says. You know, I love Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
Do you really desire freedom? Does your heart long for the day that you can honestly say, my addiction is in the past. I have been set free. If that's your desire, then you've got to change your thinking. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Stop clinging the thoughts that are not in line with what God says and believe his truth instead. Now, one area that you really need to believe God's truth has to do with the truth of who you are. Outside of faith in Jesus Christ, you're lost and you're separated from God. And we know that's true because the Bible tells us that that's true. But we must begin to see ourselves in the truth of what God says as far as our identity and who we are. Now, I know in our world today, there's a lot of talk in the area of self-esteem. The Bible says in Romans 12, verse 3, For I say, through the grace that's given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. My friend, the most important thing is to see ourselves the way that God sees us, to receive the truth of God concerning who we are and the need for forgiveness and the power that we have to offer forgiveness to those around us. You know, God is not as concerned about our own personal happiness than he is our personal holiness. He wants us to be a holy people before him. Now, it's not that God wants you unhappy. God doesn't necessarily want you to be unhappy, but God wants you to be more like Christ. He's molding you and he's shaping you into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and he wants us to be holy. Now, the joy of the Lord comes as a result of that. And so we need to believe the truth. We got to receive the truth as far as who we are in Jesus Christ. The wonderful good news of the gospel uh, tells us, in fact, in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, Paul writes, and he says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And so Paul says, what can we say about these things? If God's for us, who can be against us? So instead of saying can't, we ought to say, no, I can in the power of the Holy Spirit. And how can I? Because God is on my side. Don't rely on yourself to find your esteem and who you are. Look to God for your value and what God says. If you've trusted the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, listen to this wonderful truth. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In Christ Jesus, let me tell you who I am. The Bible says in Genesis 1:27, I'm created in his image. The Bible says in Romans 15 verse 7, I'm accepted by Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 verse 4, I am chosen by God. In Ephesians 1 verse 7, I'm redeemed and forgiven. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, I am made righteous by Christ. In John 15 verse 15, I am a friend of God. In 2 Peter 1, 2, 3, and 4, it says, I am made complete having all that I need. John 8, 36 says that I'm made free. I'm indwelt by the Holy Spirit according to Romans 8, verses 9, 10, and 11. I am loved by God in Romans 8, 
38 and 39. Scripture tells me even more about who I am in Jesus Christ, but I've got to renew my mind with what God says. And so if the enemy's always pushing you down, always making you feel like you're worthless and you're no good and you can't do anything right and nobody really cares and you're of no value, my friend, I want you to know those are lies from the enemy. That is not the truth of God. And you need to renew your mind on who God says you are. Ephesians chapter 1 is a wonderful chapter to study about who you are in Jesus Christ. You're saved, you're chosen, you're redeemed, you're loved, you're forgiven. All those key words in that first chapter of the book of Ephesians, take a look at that later and renew your mind with the truth of who God says you are as a born-again believer. And so many times it's as simple as getting our big butt out of the way. Now, I know that sounds odd. Let me tell you what I mean. You know, a lot of time we look to the word of God and we say, oh, well, yeah, I know that's what God says about me, but. Or we look to the truth of God and we say, yeah, I know that's what God wants me to do, but. I know that's true, but. We need to get our big butt out of the way and just receive and believe what God says is true, adding no but to it. So we must renew our minds and believe what God says is true. Not just about who we are and our identity, but let's talk about forgiveness for a few moments. We need to receive what God says about forgiveness. Now, we understand that we all need forgiveness. In fact, we need to go to God and we need to ask God for forgiveness. I love First John chapter 1, verse 9. And God promises me if I admit and confess my sin, he'll be faithful to forgive me of my sin. And so I know that I need God's forgiveness in Romans chapter 3, 22 through 25. Uh, it tells us the same thing. The whole counsel of the word of God. Uh, tells us that we're sinners and we need God's forgiveness and we need to cry out to him for forgiveness. But there's another aspect of forgiveness that I just want to note today. And that is that you need to seek forgiveness from those that you've hurt. A lot of times our addictive behavior, you know, it's a lie when we believe it's not affecting anyone but me. That's one of the lies of the enemy. It's affecting those around you. And most of the time, those that are closest to you end up becoming hurt the most by your addictive behavior. And so part of the recovery process is to go to those people that we've wronged and sinned against and seek their forgiveness for the hurt and the pain that our behavior has inflicted upon them. I think about in our society today, you know, as parents, a lot of times we tell our children, you know, when they're very young and they may be at school and they do a wrong to someone, they do something out of line, something they shouldn't have done. And many times we'll tell them, now you're going to go and you're going to apologize tomorrow when you go to school for your actions. Well, my friend, that's not going far enough. In fact, that's not what the Bible teaches. What we ought to be instructing our children to do is seeking forgiveness for their sin. Now, I know all my sin is always against God, but sometimes my sin affects those around me, too, and inflicts pain on those that are around me. When the Holy Spirit has revealed to me ways that I have hurt others through my addictive behavior, through my past sins, not only do I need to go to God and ask God to forgive me of my sins, but I also need to go to those people that I've hurt around me, and I need to ask them also to forgive me. And so it's not just going to a person and saying, I'm sorry about what I did. No, when I do it the biblical way, I go to that person and I say, I want to ask you to forgive me. I sinned against you. And then I believe it's good for us to name whatever it is. I sinned against you in the words I used yesterday. I sinned against you in what I told you the other day that wasn't true. I sinned against you. And whatever that sin is to name that, you go to that person and you admit and you confess your sin and you ask 
forgiveness. You know, James 5 verse 16 instructs us to confess our sins one to another. My friend, that's much heavier than a simple apology. If I have sinned against you, I can come to you and I can say, I'm sorry about what I did. Well, you know, you can shrug your shoulders and just walk away. But if I came to you and I said, I sinned against you, I'm asking you to forgive me, then I'm putting the ball in your court. I'm asking for a response from you. You see, that's God's way. There's power in confessing to one another. Now, once you have gone to those that you've hurt and asked them to forgive you, confessing your sin to them, the ball's in their court. They've got to make a choice how they're going to respond. But you've done what God has required of you. Ephesians 5.32 says that we need to forgive one another. I love Colossians chapter 12, verses 12 and 13, which the text says that we need to forgive like we've been forgiven. And that has absolutely nothing to do with what somebody deserves, has everything to do with mercy and grace, because that's how God has forgiven me. And so part of the recovery process is that we begin to think truthfully according to what God says. And so I want you to begin right now today to begin to think about who you are through the lens of Scripture. Who does God say that you are? If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're lost. And you need to go back to the very first couple of episodes and uh, listen to those. But if you put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're his child. You're forgiven. God has forgiven you. God has, has empowered you through the person of his Holy Spirit to be a person you can never be otherwise. You can break out of the addictive patterns of the past and you can forgive others and you can seek the forgiveness of others for your own sin. And so when we talk about the hinge of forgiveness, forgiveness and repentance, those two hinges on the door to transformation, to lasting change, we know when we talk about forgiveness, we need forgiveness from God. We know when we talk about forgiveness, we need forgiveness from others. And we also need to receive, need to ask, need to seek forgiveness from others. But you know, there's another very important aspect of forgiveness that I think we need to think about. And that's forgiving ourselves. Forgiving ourselves. Psalm 103 verses 10, 11, and 12 says, not only does God forgive me of my sins when I come to him and seek his forgiveness, but he also takes my sin and removes it as far as the east is from the west. That's very important, the words that's used there in Psalm 103, because if the Bible had said he would take my sin and remove them as far as the north is from the south, that's actually two points that you can measure. There's a distance, a determined distance between the north and the south. If you can visualize a globe, if you're holding a globe in your hand and you would put your finger on the south pole and you begin to travel north and you just continue to travel with your finger around that globe in the same direction, there's going to be a point in time where you stop going north and you begin going south. And that would be the north pole. There's a point in distance where north and south meet. But if you would put your finger on the equator and just begin to travel with your finger eastward on the globe, there's never going to be a point in time where your finger changes direction. You're always going to be going east. You know, when the Bible says in Psalm 103 that he'll take our sin and remove them as far as the east is from the west, he's saying he's going to take our sin and remove it so far away that you can't even measure the distance. God is saying that he's going to take our sin and throw it into the midst of the sea of forgetfulness and it will never be brought up again, at least not by him. 
And so if he promises that our sin is going to be removed as far as the east is from the west and and our sin keeps coming up, it's not God who's bringing it up. It's the enemy and it's our own sinful nature. You don't have to live in the past. You don't have to allow your failures of yesterday to determine who you are today. God's truth says he'll forgive you and he'll take that sin and he'll remove it as far as the east is from the west. And you say, well, I know God's forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. Who do you think you are? You think you're bigger than God? When God Almighty steps in and says by his grace and his mercy and by his power and through his love, he has chosen to forgive you. Who are you to stand in God's forgiveness and declare, I'm not forgiven? You're not God. You know, we refuse to forgive ourselves. Really, it comes down to we're not really believing God. Every but that you use is another bar in your prison. Every time you use that word, but in counteracting the truth of God in your mind and in your heart. Now, friend, listen, whatever you believe is going to control you. It's going to dictate to you how you live. And so even though God says you're forgiven and you stand there in that truth and you want to believe an untruth, I'm really not forgiven. I can't forgive myself. That's going to affect who you are. You're going to be controlled by fear. You're going to be controlled by all these negative emotions and messages that the enemy wants to throw at you and to push you back and to weigh you down and to steal your joy and to take away the abundant life that Christ wants you to experience in your life, as long as you're believing a lie, it's going to lead to bondage. Over the years when I've talked to individuals who have a very hard time forgiving themselves, I find that really the motivation there is that they're afraid. They're afraid they're going to disappoint God. And so they don't want to let themselves off the hook, so to speak. They don't want to really walk in that forgiveness as they think about themselves because they're afraid if they do, uh, they're just going to disappoint God. You know, that's really illogical because in order to disappoint, you've got to fail to meet a person's expectations of you. Yet God knows all about you. He has no unrealistic expectations of who you are or what you can do. You can't disappoint him. Refusing to forgive yourself is just as damning and just as damaging than not forgiving another because we're both children of God. Don't allow the pain from your past behavior, from your past sin, cause you to believe a lie today and thinking you can't forgive yourself. Oh, yes, you can. You can make a choice right now. I'm going to walk in the truth of God. I understand God loves me. I'm accepted in him. It's by his grace and his mercy. My sins are forgiven, and they're removed so far a distance that they can't even be measured, never to be brought up again. I thank God for his forgiveness towards me, but I'm also going to forgive those around me, and I'm going to seek their forgiveness for my sin and the pain that I've inflicted upon them. Forgiveness is key. You really want to change? You really want to go through that door of recovery, lasting transformation. You've got to get a handle on this biblical doctrine, this biblical truth of forgiveness. God offers you that forgiveness, but you've got to offer that forgiveness to those around you too. Maybe that person who has sinned against you that's caused so much pain in your life. Maybe it's a traumatic experience you had many years ago. Maybe it's something that happened to you as a small child. Maybe it was something that happened to you today. Maybe it's something that uh, someone has inflicted upon you that is the greatest pain you've ever experienced in your life, and you're having a hard time letting go of that. My friend, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to look to God and ask God to give you all that you need to let go. Don't walk through life with a chip on your shoulder or a grudge 
on your back or unforgiveness or bitterness in your heart towards someone else. I had to learn this in my own life. I'll never forget the date was Saturday, August the 1st, 2009. I stood in a field out behind where I grew up with a few family members. We gathered on that day under a small tree to lay to rest the cremated remains of my uncle. This was the man who had the greatest ungodly influence in my life. This was the same person that introduced me to drugs and alcohol and sexual immorality. This was an uncle who had molested me over a period of years when I was just a young boy. My family had invited me to come and to be a part of this little brief service, a small memorial service. I sought God's strength to help me as I sought to minister to those that were standing in that field that day. You see, I told no one. I had told no one up to that point of my uncle's abuse towards me, uh, with the exception of my precious wife who stood by my side. So I was asked to pray at my uncle's memorial service. I remember bowing my head and praying and asking God to help each one of us to forgive this man for any hurt or pain that he had caused us or inflicted upon our lives. And my friend, right there in that moment, there was a tremendous release for me. I believe I had forgiven him a long time ago, way before that point in time, uh, many years before 2009. I believe that I had uh, really sought God and God had given me the strength uh, to forgive him, but I had not fully laid to rest the pain that was still in my heart until we placed his ashes in the earth and I stood there gazing at that freshly turned soil where, where this man's human remains now lay underneath the earth. And I realized the power of God's healing, God's grace, I think in a new power and a new sense than I had had not at any other time in my life. For so many years, I'd felt so unworthy of anything really good. I mean, the sin I experienced as a child just made me feel as though I was alone in my problem. I now understand all those feelings and the guilt and the shame were all part of the enemy's plot to destroy me and to try to stop God's victorious purpose for my life in ministry. And I'll be honest with you, even today, the enemy of our soul fights against our witness in every deviant manner that he can. But the key to overcoming, my friend, again, is believing, renewing our mind with what God says, God's truth. So today, as we close this episode, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to begin to believe what is true according to what God says. Believe what is true according to what God says as far as who you are and your identity. You are loved. You are forgiven. There is hope for you. There is a future for you. God's got a plan and got a purpose for you. He cares about you and loves you more than you could ever imagine. Begin to believe who you are according to what God says, regardless of how you feel. And then I want you to begin to believe the doctrine of forgiveness, the way that God lays out this truth in his word, that you can be forgiven by God. Your sins are forgiven and they're removed as far as the east is from the west. And then you need to seek that kind of forgiveness from those around you, those that you've hurt, those that you need to go to and try to reconcile because of your sinful, habitual past behavior and lifestyle. There's freedom in the truth of God. Now, if you're going to overcome an addiction, we talk about believing what is true. You've got to begin to see that addiction for what it really is. You know, as long as we're entertaining and feeding the monster of addiction in our mind, we're thinking this is a good thing. Oh, I'm not hurting anybody. Oh, I can stop anytime I want to stop. Oh, this is bringing something good into my life. Oh, this feels good. This helps me to escape. This helps me to forget 
the pain inflicted upon me. All those are lies. We've got to put those lies off and begin to see the addiction for what it really is. We need to begin to uncover the lies. We need to begin to see through the bait and realize there's a hook under the bait. And if I believe the lie, if I take the bait, the enemy is going to reel me in. Instead of seeing your addictive behavior, whatever it is that's controlled you in the past as being a good thing, you need to begin to see it for what it really is. It's a bad thing. It's a destroying thing. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Here's the assignment I want you to do. I want you to begin to keep a a journal. And in this journal, I want you to begin to list all the negative consequences of your past addictive behavior. I want you to begin to see your addiction in light of the truth, what it really is. I want you to begin to train your mind to begin to see through the lies relating to the addiction. And so you understand it's not a good thing. It's not bringing anything pleasant. It doesn't bring you lasting joy. It's not an escape in your life. It is hurting more people than just you. In fact, it's, a, it's affecting everybody around you. And so I want you to begin to keep a journal of all the negative consequences of your addictive behavior. And then when you're tempted to go back into that pattern of life, whatever it is, you're tempted to go back and get higher, you're tempted to go back and drink, or you're tempted to go back into that habitual addictive behavior of your past, I want you to take this journal out and I want you to begin to look at the list that you've already begun to compile of all the negative consequences. And I want you to tell yourself, no, this is what this type of behavior brings in my life. Nothing good. Begin to renew your mind with what's true. You need to get to a point where you begin to hate and despise the addictive behavior as much as you once loved it and ran to it. Now you want to run from it. And in God's strength, in God's power, you can do that. But it's got to begin with the way that you think. Make sure what you're thinking is true is true according to what God says. Two hinges on the door to recovery or transformation. The first hinge is forgiveness. The second hinge we're going to talk about next week is going to be repentance. My plan in this podcast is every Tuesday I'm going to try to release a new episode. I appreciate your prayers for me as I pray about what God would have me to share with you week after week. As we look to God's word, we want to renew our minds with the truth. We want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to have the freedom that God offers us and to walk in the abundant life that Jesus promised in John 10.10 that he came to offer us. Not just a little bit of life, but abundant life to overflowing. I trust you'll be blessed this week. I want to encourage you to pray for one another. Pray for me. I'll be praying for you as we continue on this road of recovery. And I want you to remember, get your big butt out of the way. You got to believe what God says is true. You need to receive it as truth. You begin to walk in that truth and to be faithful in the life that God offers you. If you don't have a church home and you're anywhere near us in Rocky Mount, come be a part of what God's doing at Oakdale Baptist Church. We'd love to have you. Sunday morning, Sunday schools at 945, 11 o'clock worship, 6 p.m. worship on Sunday as well. Tuesday night, of course, is our life group meeting. That's always at the church at the beginning at 6.30 p.m. every Tuesday night. Wednesday night, we have prayer meeting and Bible study together. So come be a part if you're anywhere close by. I'd love to meet you face-to-face. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Go to iTunes, leave me a positive review, five-star rating if you would. And by all means, share it with everyone you know on social media. Let's get the word out. There's hope for change. You don't have to stay the way that you are. You can be 
transformed. God bless you. I'll talk to you again next Tuesday.